It's Jeanette here from Jeanette's TV. I'm at the Elevate Tech Conference in Toronto. And what a conference this is. Four days of incredible learning, all kinds of very high influencers in the digital and tech industries, from fashion to food and everything in between investments, health. We have so much great coverage coming at you. Please stay with us. You know our next speaker as Canada's Minister of Finance. During his tenure, Bill has played a pivotal role in shaping landmark policies and initiatives, including the Canada Child Benefit and tax cuts for small business. Service is a cornerstone of Bill's career, notably as chair of the board of St. Michael's Hospital, where I happen to get this cast, and the chair of Covenant House, among many others. It brings me great pleasure to introduce Mr. Bill Morneau. Bill, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. For those of you who are not necessarily from here, we're deep in the middle of an election cycle, and I assume you've been running door to door, knocking on doors, getting talking to people about what you've been up to. I have been, in case any of you are in the uh, area near here, Toronto Centre. I might have knocked on your door, so if not, you'll be seeing me. <laughs> you, we actually met four years ago when you were campaigning. You knocked on my door. I barely remember it because, unfortunately for me, I was very hungover, and I thought you were pizza. <laughs> Uh, it, was, it was a short conversation, uh, but look where we both are now. <laughs> so I actually want to start in our riding, which is a really fascinating one because it encompasses a startup like Wattpad in their Toronto office, but it also encompasses an incredibly low-income neighborhood, you know, looking at Regent Park and Moss Park. In government, how do your policies, or how do you, how do you make sure that they, you know, ensure that the wealth of a company like Wattpad gets to people and citizens like those who live in and around Regent Park and Moss Park? Well, that's a, that's a big question. Uh, obviously, one of, the, one of the most important challenges any government faces is thinking about how you actually distribute the, uh, the benefits of uh, societal wealth. One of our challenges is certainly demonstrated in the area that I represent in Toronto Centre, which is Actually, uh, it's the smallest riding in the country, uh, meaning it's the densest. And it's also, uh, interestingly, that it's downtown Toronto. It's one of the poorest. So, you know, what we've tried to do, and you've seen it, is we've tried to focus on how we can both encourage entrepreneurship, so we can encourage successful businesses, but also think about how we can raise those that are having the most challenge. So the signature thing we've done over the last four years is increase benefits that are going to families. And that's, together with a couple of other policies, raised about 20% of our population out of poverty in, in just under four years, which is, which is unprecedented for a, uh, for a developed country. But there's still more to do, and we can see it demonstrated in a place like uh, downtown Toronto, a place where, remembering, a lot of new Canadians come as their touchdown point as they think about trying to get out to other places in the country where they can get great jobs. So let's you know, connect that to what this audience is talking about in tech. How can tech really begin to address concerns like poverty and inequality, and how can a government can play a role in that? Well, I think as I think about the people who are here in this room, I think all of you will know that we're in a, we're in a, a really good place in, in the economy right now in the sense that we have the lowest unemployment rates we've seen in more than a generation. We actually have the highest 
workforce participation rates we've ever had in Canada. More, more Canadians of working age are actually working. So that leads you to what do you do then? You've, you've got to think uh, creatively about where you find talent and I think also uh, think about how you actually compensate people so that you get the best of people and, and encourage them to continue training. So, so for entrepreneurs, I think it is about trying to uh, make sure that you provide training opportunities so people can be more and more successful. Uh, be part of uh, an opportunity for people to have uh, you know, more successful careers. And that goal, of course, will be to bring people into uh, organizations that might not otherwise have had those opportunities. So speaking of that compensation part, I think one of the draws for a lot of tech companies in Canada is that salaries for tech workers can be 30 to 35% less in Canada than they are in the United States. But that lowering of that salary adds to a level of precarity for workers, and we see that across all industries, but specifically in the tech industry. Is there a way that, you, as a government, you meaningfully intervene to make sure that precarity doesn't last for workers? I, first of all, I think your, your point's valid. Uh, salaries overall in Canada are less if you're an American company looking into Canada. In large part, of course, that's because of the, the difference in our currencies. Uh, but it, it's also true that, uh, that people, right from coming out of college and university, uh, on the way through their careers, are not earning as much as they are in the United States. So it is behind. We've seen a, a catch-up in that sector, uh, in the tech sector in particular, at, uh, at the most successful organizations. But I, I, I think that we, uh, we do want to continue to encourage more training so people get more skills. I don't think we want to put in place uh, rules around compensation or, or, or additional regulation that would, that would uh, make it more difficult to do business. I think we want to build in training approaches. So one of the things we did in our most recent year in, in the budget I presented in March was we put in place a training benefit that allows Canadians to every four years take four weeks off, have a tax credit so they could pay for a training course, and for those in particular that, that are at the middle, lower and middle income, to get employment insurance so they can pay their way while they're taking time off. So it would allow people to upgrade their skills every few years to make sure they're able to stay in the workforce or advance. But I think that has to be done in concert with business. So businesses need to be thinking about their own training approaches, hopefully using government programs to, uh, you know, to accelerate advantage for their employees and their firm. So is that a conversation you hear from tech companies either looking to come here or looking to expand that the talent there are people who want to work, but the talent doesn't necessarily have the skills that they're looking for? I do. If I, if I sort of relayed back what I've heard in the last four years from businesses across Canada, one of the biggest challenges that we repeatedly hear is, is finding and keeping great talent. So obviously, one of the advantages of having lower unemployment rates is people are working. One of the challenges for businesses is therefore finding people. And there is this notion of the skills gap, jobs that are available, but uh, people without the right skills. So, so the, the challenge is, in, in government, we're trying to put in place programs to help people get the skills. We've put in place much more funding for grants for students at college and university. We've increased grants for masters and PhD students and funding for research. But it will also be for businesses to come forward and think about how they can, you know, individually, if it's one firm or maybe in, even in a, in a sector, to think about how they can enhance training opportunities. Some sectors have been very successful at doing that, you know, others less so. I want to shift a little bit to you know, one, another advantage in Canada, which is we do have a workforce in tech that is creating ideas and coming up with really novel innovations. 
What do you say when Canadian companies say that they feel your government hasn't made a priority of uh, Canadian intellectual property and is often making investments and making choices at the expense of Canadians? Uh, you know, clearly we have a, uh, a very different economy today than we had a generation ago. So much of the uh, value in our economy and, and the potential is coming from firms that we would be represented in this room. You probably all know that the number of people employed and the economic, uh, the portion of GDP that is represented by the digital economy is now actually greater than it is in the manufacturing sector. So we've seen a, a big change. Uh, it does mean we need to think hard about things like intellectual property, uh, data, and uh, data privacy. These are challenges that are uh, not brand new, but that we're struggling together with other developed countries and thinking about how we manage the trade-off between privacy and, and technological advantage. You know, from my standpoint as uh, Minister of Finance, one of the things we've been looking at is how we deal, for example, with privacy issues in the banking sector. We're looking at the potential for open banking, which has huge opportunities for fintech companies and, and advantages potentially for consumers. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we're protecting the data, that everyone has the financial data in a way that gives people confidence that they're not going to be somehow left exposed financially. So, so these are tough questions that we're, that we're working towards. In, in that particular example, we've got a, a committee that's working on that right now. We've got the example of some other countries that have been successful in moving forward, like the UK. Uh, but uh, you know, I would encourage people in this room who have a perspective that's going to be very helpful in thinking through those trade-offs to engage with government, uh, because we this is a continuing issue. And I, as sitting at the G7 or the G20 tables with finance ministers, I can tell you that nobody feels that they have it right. It's everything from data protection to uh, taxation. There's new challenges presented by, uh, by the digital sector. I mean, let's, let's talk about sort of the challenge of, of data and ensuring that if we're making investments in tech, we're also protecting the data of individuals who use that tech. You know, your government has a digital charter that eventually will become some form of legislation, we can hope, but, you know, does that go far enough in, you know, addressing the complexity of the data that's out there? I think this is an emerging field. I think that we are going to need to, uh, to set up where we're at today. We've got, a, we've got a, a process going on around a digital charter which will create a, a regulatory framework. Uh, it's not complete yet. It's why people need to lean in with uh, advice and ideas, uh, but I, I think that the, the field is moving so rapidly. The, the quantum of data that's being collected by some of the largest and most sophisticated organizations on the planet is such that we are, we are not ever going to be there. We, we're going to need to constantly adapt. Um, and and it's, as I said, it's going to be not only around the data, but around how these firms organize themselves uh, internationally, especially the largest of firms, to ensure that we, we can continue to be able to have some modicum of uh, protection for our society in the case of taxation, for us as individuals in the case of our individual privacy. So it's, it's going to be a continuing challenge. You know, one of the growth industries or one of, one of the opportunities here in Canada has to do with artificial intelligence and machine learning, but that's a collection of a vast wealth of, of, of data and some of it's being applied within government. So I think your government put out a tender looking for some level of uh, machine learning and AI when it comes to immigration. 
for, you know, in a space like that, how does a government begin to ensure, you know, without any of these protections that a, a charter would provide, how do you begin to ensure that the, those, that data is actually being protected? Well, I, I guess the, the best way you do it is by uh, deciding in each sector what you're going to have as the, as the framework. So, you know, sector by sector, in the, in the banking sector, which I'm responsible for, we put in place at the Office of Superintendent of Financial Institutions rules around the data protection that, that banking and others have to abide by. We put in place some pretty hefty fines for people that don't actually uh, have their appropriate protections. I think we're going to need to keep thinking about that. At the same time, while there are, are the negatives and the concerns, we're also trying to make sure that we're a leader in these sectors. So the reason we've invested significantly in the Vector Institute here in, in Toronto and in artificial intelligence and, and in Montreal as well is because we see this as a, as a fundamental building block for our economy going forward. Similarly, our, our investments in the digital sector where we've got a lot of advanced uh, opportunities is because we see this as foundational to virtually every business. The, you know, the, the requirement to think about how digital can enhance our, our collective prosperity and our, our productivity. So we're, we're going to keep investing, and, and that's going to force us to think about the sort of the rules of the road, and that will be, that will be an emerging consensus that we'll have to be engaged in. So, you know, one of your investments, and I think you touched on it in Montreal, is, you know, we're looking, I think you put in nearly a billion dollars towards super clusters, uh, and some of those are beginning to see those returns on, uh, at least for them, at least on that investment. What are some other opportunities that you think you could invest further in? Well, the, the, uh, the idea you're talking about, so we, we, we came to the, the uh, idea around making investments in certain sectors by acknowledging that there are places in the world that have been significantly more successful than other places because of the accumulation of research institutes, universities, and businesses around it. So you think about Silicon Valley, you think about Tel Aviv. So we said, let's focus on the parts of the Canadian economy where we have a differential advantage. Mm -hmm. And we looked at those places where we have that differential advantage. We said, you know, we, we obviously have a strong uh, oil and gas clean technology sector. We have a strong a health and bio, biotechnology sector. We have a strong agricultural sector. We have a strong advanced manufacturing sector. And we have a strong uh, digital sector. These are places where we're already creating advantage. So if you think about those five sectors I just identified, those gives you a bit of a roadmap to where we think we should invest. And it's thinking about how, like we have in Kitchener-Waterloo, Toronto, sort of the University of Waterloo, Ryerson University of Toronto, together with some large firms and smaller firms, that we, we think if we invest, we can accelerate the research to create even more advantage. And we're, doing, we're trying to do that in different sectors. We did that in the, in the protein sector in the prairies, where we see that's a, a big opportunity for us in, uh, in the current environment or you know, in, in, in the uh, advanced intelligence, as we talked about. So, so we're going to keep trying to think about where we can have that differential advantage and, and focus our efforts there and think about how those investments help all of the firms as opposed to proprietary advantage for any one firm. So working together with universities and research institutes. We think that'll help us to accelerate our advantage over time. You're in the middle of an election now and some of this stuff for average Canadians is a little complicated and high tech. How do you communicate to people that these opportunities are something that they can engage in or participate in if they aren't, aren't already? I, I think you know, as opposed to the people in this room who are very focused in a particular sector and thinking about you know, things like data protection or, or advanced, uh, you know, manufacturing, 
we are out talking to Canadians about what the outcomes of this are. The outcomes that we're seeking are that we can continue to be a, a country that has great opportunities for people in terms of jobs. We, we have the, among the most highly educated workforces in the OECD, so using those educational advantages, creating more opportunities down the road for people so people can have a sense of optimism. I mean, we're broadly dealing with challenges in developed countries around populism and, and concerns around the middle class not thinking they get the opportunities. So thinking about this sector is very much about thinking about opportunities, giving people hope that you know, in the new and emerging economy there's going to be opportunity for people to be successful and that they're not going to be left behind because you know, maybe, as you said at the beginning, they come from an area where they don't have as many current opportunities or they're, they're new Canadians. We want everyone to see that opportunity so we can collectively feel like we can do better over time. And that's, that's what we're trying to engage with Canadians on. The good news is it's working. I mean, we've, we've, our economy has been growing. The, uh, the unemployment rates, as I said, are low. Wages are going up. But that anxiety, and especially that anxiety from international trade and issues going on outside of our borders, is very real. And we need to address it by helping people to see those opportunities for them and their families. Speaking of one issue going on outside of our borders, uh, Donald Trump has had an impact, let's say. How does the choices that his administration makes impact Canada, especially the tech sector in Canada? Well, you know, Donald Trump and his administration obviously have uh, a huge impact on the entire world, uh, and they've had an impact in Canada. I guess our goal has been to try our best to work with them to protect Canadians. Uh, so the issue that has been of most challenge for us directly and then more broadly based on their other efforts around the world has been around trade. So uh, I think you saw with our government a willingness to engage, uh, a, a, a strong push to, to try and deal with the NAFTA challenge that they presented to us. We successfully got through that, settled that issue down so that you know, for all those uh, parts of our economy that are engaged in trade on a day-to-day -day basis, they can have more confidence. Now our challenge is different. I mean, the United States and China, their discussions around trade are causing issues really around the world in terms of our expectations of changing supply chains and slowing down of trade, which impacts global growth and as a result impacts Canada. Our goal in those uh, discussions is trying to be a force for uh, pushing both China and the United States to get to a conclusion that would uh, advance the cause of global trade. I will tell you that it, that's, it's, it's important for all of us to be engaged in that. We are sitting at the G7 table with France and Germany, uh, obviously the other countries there too, but some that are less able to be effective right now because of their own internal issues like Italy and England. But you know, we're, we're sitting there trying to push the Americans to get to some sort of agreement. And uh, you know, I've been optimistic and pessimistic various days over the last year because it changes quickly. Uh, but I'm, I'm of the view that they're going to make some progress and that will help us in the, in the broader goals. And I mean, for the tech sector in that, I think I've heard it said, you know, it's an opportunity to hire, either hire away Americans who are dissatisfied or to, you know, to kind of make the pitch to Canadians who would leave to go to the States that they should stay here simply because of the instability of the American administration. Is that something you're hearing from tech companies when you're speaking to them about the choices your government would make? Well, I do think there's, there are opportunities for organizations that are trying to attract great people. They're, it's just a fact that it's harder and harder to get visas to get into the United States. So 
uh, people from other parts of the world that are seeking exciting opportunities are more likely to choose a country like Canada, which is looked as looked on as a, uh, an immigration-friendly country, one that's uh, stable in terms of trading relationships as positive. Uh, we're seeing an influx of people from other parts of the world as a result. We've set in place an, an ability for firms to attract uh, key talent rapidly into Canada to try and uh, make advantage through that. And, um, you know, it is, it is a time of opportunity in that sense for Canada. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we can use that as a long-term advantage because they, uh, we hope, will be able to settle down in global trade. So we need to make sure Canada is attractive in and of itself, which we believe it is, not just as a, as a backdrop to a, maybe a less attractive United States. I think I have to ask one last question, which is, you know, there's credible analysis that we're looking at potentially either a, a slowdown or a recession coming up. For the tech firms who are looking for a plan going forward, how can they believe that this government will help them when that time comes? It's an important question. We, uh, we have to look at what's going on in terms of global trade and uh, recognize that, that that slowdown, which has been uh, you know, projected by a number of international organizations, is potentially real. We obviously always have a cycle in economic uh, terms, and, and we've had We've had 10 years of, you know, at some stages robust, and other stages less robust, but 10 years of growth. So there's always that potential. What I would say to both firms here, Canadian firms, as well as firms thinking to invest, is uh, you probably, as you think about your own organization, start by thinking, am I in a financially good position? Do I have a strong balance sheet? Do I have the opportunity to borrow money if I need to borrow money? Well, Canada is in an exceptionally strong fiscal position. We have the lowest amount of debt as a function of our economy among G7 countries, and it's not lowest by little. We have less than half the debt as a function of our economy of G7 countries. What that means is we have a capacity to think about how we respond to economic downturns that's better than, than all of those other G7 countries, better than most OECD countries. We, uh, we, we've talked over the course of the last four years about the importance of reducing our deficit each year, which we've done. But it's important to remember that our deficit as a function of our economy is, is one-tenth the size of the United States. So, so we're in a much better capacity to respond to economic challenges, to make the kind of investments in uh, opportunities that come up as a result of, of those challenges. So we'll continue to think about that. And um, you know, our view is that we need to keep investing in Canadians to keep the robust opportunities there to give people a sense of optimism, but do it in a way that's fiscally responsible. And that's what we're trying to achieve. All right, well, thank you so much to Bill Morneau. Thanks for being with us today on Jeanette's TV. I'm your host, Jeanette Burke, signing off. Please remember to like, comment, and share all our posts with your family and friends. You will find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest, Vimeo, YouTube, you name it, we're there. Hashtag Jeanette's TV. And until next time, continue to be fabulous.